lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here once again to talk some of the goings-on in pro wrestling. Um, most notably, uh, what would have been one of the major goings-on in pro wrestling, WrestleMania 36. Uh, we are only a few days removed from the... Uh, quote-unquote historic two-night event, the first time that WrestleMania 36 has ever been held over two days, as opposed to just one seven-hour-long experience. We got that over the course of two days, which I'll go ahead and say right now uh, was infinitely more palatable, <laughs> I would say. Um, but, of course, even with WrestleMania being moved from Tampa to the Performance Center in Orlando and being held without an audience, it's still worthy of discussion. And that's exactly what we're doing today in a historic moment for our show. Because today is the first time that you're getting two episodes on the same day. <laughs> yes, this review and discussion about WrestleMania 36 with myself and uh, Dan Trainer from the Same Team podcast is too big for one episode. Very on brand. So this is part one. We're going to discuss night one here, as well as some of the issues leading up to WrestleMania 36 with WWE, City of Tampa, just a bunch of different stuff. Um, it's a fun discussion, as always, when me and Dan get together and get to talk some WWE. And yeah, so without further ado, we're just going to jump right into that. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. Um, of course, we are talking all things WrestleMania 36 this week on the show, and that means that I am inevitably joined by, I guess, our our WWE aficionado here on on the show, one Daniel Trainer. How you doing today, Daniel? I am I am good, Brian. Thank you. I am staying indoors like a good human. I do enjoy how you say inevitably as. <laughs> As if there is just no other choice but to welcome me back. Uh, but I, I, I am I am thrilled to be here to talk about a uh, WrestleMania that was uh, big, not big enough for just one night, Brian. I don't know if you heard. I mean, technically, that's a that's a copyrighted phrase now, so we might owe them money. Oh shoot! But, uh, well, like like you said though, like even though the phrase is copyrighted, technically. This year, WrestleMania was too big for one night. Um, we had our first ever two-night WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday, uh, which featured a card of 16 matches between the two nights. <laughs> eight, 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 actually, I think it's 18 if we count the kickoff shows. I think, oh, right? God. Well, let me double check. I have the, the listing here. Let me count. You're right. It I'm is pretty, 18. pretty sure it is. Counting the pre-show, for the pre-show matches. Which no one knew the pre-show matches until like the day before. <laughs> so no, I watched. Yeah, I didn't watch the one on Sunday. I didn't watch uh, Natalia and Liv, but on Saturday I watched Cesaro and Drew Gulak. It's which is fun. You know, it's like <laughs> you know the last thing that this weekend needed was more matches, I guess. But I'm always happy to see Cesaro at WrestleMania. I suppose uh, you know he and Drew put on a decent little what seven minute match probably on Saturday. It's just it's. It's so funny just how how long that <laughs> all of this stuff was. But hey, you know, we got Cesaro on the card, kickoff show or otherwise. 
There you go. I mean, it, it, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit excited for that match just because um, online Cesaro had kind of somebody had mentioned the Chikara special and Cesaro decided to fly in with a reply saying like, oh, I know how to reverse that. So like playing back <laughs> into the history of Chikara between him and Gulak. And I was just like, okay, if they if one of these people breaks out a Chikara special in this match, I'm fine with it. It's a it's a dumb like match that has no reason to be here, but if I get to see a Chikara special reference on WWE television, it'll be a win. But sure, sadly, we did, yeah, sadly we did not get that though. Um, no. But before we get into to the matches themselves, um, you know we we've talked extensively about the circumstances around this WrestleMania and, and how WWE has approached this, this year's event um, in a past episode, along with uh, Patches Chance from Daily DDT. And I think a lot of, I don't know about you, but for me, I was kind of expecting this to be much more of a train wreck than it was on the whole. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I I sort of agree. I mean, it definitely was a little clunky at times, but oh, and you could you could certainly sell you could certainly tell that um you know they had sort of redone some stuff and and it, you know some parts of it were sort of cobbled together. But overall, I mean, I, I really enjoyed myself, and I I don't. I, it's hard to gauge. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I've talked to a few a few of my close wrestling friends who were kind of like, eh, that just like didn't really do it for me. Like I kind of, I kind of hated the entire thing outside of maybe a few moments, but I don't know, like all weekend, I, I kind of enjoyed it. And then, you know, we'll get into it, but you know, they really impressed me. And I think impressed most people with the production value of, of the matches that happened outside of the arena with, with the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. I mean, those blew away any expectations that I had for what they were going to be able to do. So I don't know. I mean, I found myself really enjoying myself and maybe that's just because I was, I, I was very able to just sit back and let it all wash over me and enjoy it for whatever it was going to be. Um, so maybe because of that, I, I, I really enjoyed it maybe more than most people, but I don't know. I mean, even the stuff that didn't quite work, I was okay with like, it, it, it never got to that point for me where I was like sort of dreading watching anything or, or, or not enjoying the product. I mean, I, I was happy that it was going on. Yeah. There wasn't really anything I was like dreading watching per se. Like I know there was, I knew there were some matches that just, you know, whether it be a lack of uh build or, um, kind of expectations of, of what something was going to be. Like I knew there were going to be points of the show that definitely hit lower um, levels than others. And for the most part, those, those matches did hit those parts, um, but they, nothing really overstayed. It's welcome too too long. I would say. Well, um, I might just, I might disagree with you there about one match. <laughs> we'll get to that match. Cause I know exactly which one you're talking about. I think they're still on top of a truck somewhere. They're always on top of a truck. This is where they live now. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but I do want to address one thing before we get into the show proper, because both nights we had a small little introduction from Stephanie McMahon 
you know, talking about how they WWE wanted to still put on the show as a means to help people escape from what uh, prevailing circumstances. They still won't say coronavirus or COVID nineteen <laughs> on air, and I swear to God, it is one of the most annoying things in the world to me that this company continues to just basically ignore what's around them. And and honestly, it's it's both externally and internally too. Like you know, in in the time since we spoke on the show about uh, about WrestleMania to the event, we there was a a number of people that were kept off the show because they either um, came right. down with illness, or in the case of Roman Reigns, finally put his own foot down and said, "No, I can't be here. Like I, I am immunocompromised." <laughs> Yeah. This is a terrible, terrible idea, and it's really frustrating that WWE's physicians did not step in and make that decision for him, and it wasn't until reportedly, like, the Usos got upset and, and kind of, like, pushed Roman to make that decision for himself um, once uh, The Miz started showing uh, symptoms of being ill, but not necessarily right. – it's never hasn't been, and there's no confirmation that the Miz has been tested positive for COVID nineteen or anything, but he was sick and he was kept off the show because he was sick. Um, so it's just really frustrating to see that the company still is kind of like ostriching a bit, um, even whenever they're trying to promote the show. Um, and a, another aspect of the promotion that was really frustrating was the fact that they kept pushing for pay per view. Um, whenever they have the network and many, many people already know about the network, a lot of the online advertising has been centered around the network and how you can get WrestleMania for free if you sign up as a new subscriber for the month. And yet on, on all of their programming, they're pushing you know their Fight TV or the Fox Sports Go app or traditional pay-per-view, just trying to get that $60 out of people. And it really undercuts the message that they tried to open the show with and kind of center around the show of providing this escape for people. Like, no, you're just trying to convince people to throw $60 at you because you know that you're going to suffer a huge financial losses from the fact that this show is being held at the PC as opposed to Raymond James stadium. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you and I are smart enough people to be able to, you know, compartmentalize it a little bit. Like I do think it is an important thing to acknowledge the fact that, both of us probably don't think that these shows should have happened <laughs> just I, from a, yeah. from a medical perspective, from a common sense perspective. And I, it is a hard thing to kind of reckon with as a fan, because um, I watched both nights. I was excited about watching both nights and it is difficult to know what to do in, in a situation like this, where you probably think that the company is making a bad decision, but then, you know, it's WWE. I mean, if, if we balked it every time they made a bad decision, uh, we wouldn't be watching much of their programming. So it's yeah. it's a weird thing. You know, it, it does make me feel uneasy sometimes about uh, what to do and what to support and whether to support or not. And I made the decision to, and I have made the decision to support WWE despite some of their political leanings and some of the icky things that they do. And that's just something that I have had to kind of reckon with. And I would fully understand and support anybody who would say, I am not watching that. They should not be doing that show. Uh, I I fully support that. And I think that that's probably right. Um, But, you know, there I was on my couch for both nights. So say whatever you want to say about what that, (laughs) what that says about me. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I, I was there watching despite the fact that I, I don't think it probably should have been happening. No, I, I agree with you. Like the entire viewing experience, you know, once I kind of separated myself from like, okay, I'm watching matches was just, it was, it was one of those things where I felt conflicted the entire time watching it because um, WWE is a company I grew up on. It's a company that still has a lot of great talent that I love watching. Um, I find myself constantly butting heads with a lot of their um, promotional tactics and a lot of their political leanings and the way that they interpret these sort of things and the way they treat marginalized communities. So many different things that I could disagree with them, with them on, but yet, you know, whether it be for my job or um, I hope that they'll get better, like I still find myself supporting, not necessarily supporting them, but coming back to watch their product as needed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it was really interesting because while watching this show, my partner who, um, has voiced their, uh, opinions of WWE very, very vocally, um, during their appearances on this show, um, just straight up asked me, like, why do you keep watching? Like, why do you keep Mm -hmm. watching WWE if you, if there's so many things about this company that just frustrate you and you're constantly throwing your hands up about it and you're always having to write these like articles criticizing them for what they're doing. Like, why do you keep watching it? I'm like, and I had to sit with myself because I didn't have an immediate answer. You know, like it's, it's a very complicated thing to kind of like look at something that you've loved for a long, long, long time Mm -hmm. and be faced with the beast behind it and try to rectify how you consume that knowing i I, I, yeah i mean i'm giving them you know i'm financially supporting them i mean i give them ten dollars a month i mean it's not like i'm breaking the bank here but you know i i I pay for their product i i you know go to live events sometimes so it's it's i'm a financial contributor to all of this too so i mean i think it's yeah i look at at WWE is being sort of just a, a, a huge behemoth and there are so many people that work there and I, I, I think you know I, I think it's important to be a fan and to have for them to continue to have a diverse fan base who can who can hopefully challenge them and maybe that's just me sort of talking myself into a fandom and talking myself into supporting them but I think is as long as you can still watch and be able to criticize them um, and, you know, and not enjoy some of the product and enjoy other parts of what they're doing. Um, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I think it's important to continue to challenge them in, in whatever ways that we can as diverse fans and as a diverse fan base. So I think that's important. Um, but yeah, it, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. No, it definitely is. Um, but part of that difficult thing is finding what you like within the product. And there was plenty to like on, on these shows. Uh, I would say we, we touched on the pre-show matches earlier. I think we can go ahead and knock those two out right now because like the, the, yeah. the story of those two is just like Cesaro and Drew Gulak got a spot on the show. Rad. Nice to see a little five minute thing with them. And then Liv Morgan and Talia solid match. Liv Morgan's um, ring attire was more of a story than the match itself. I saw a lot of people <laughs> on on the circles of Twitter that I run in talking about like some light BDSM looks um, from from Liv Morgan in that match. Um, so uh, yeah, those I think those are the main two things to pull from the pre-show matches. Both were perfectly fine yeah. um, matches that didn't necessarily need to be there. Um, that being said, though, 
Uh, let's jump right into night one because we have a lot to work through here, and and we sure do. Jesus Christ, fucking eighteen matches. All right, <laughs> we got two down. We got two down already. Okay, so we're, all right, clocking them out down to sixteen. All right, so we opened up night number one with the women's tag team title match between uh, the champions uh, Asuka and Kari Sane uh, and Alexa, Bi- uh, uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, odd choice for an opener when I first saw it, but yeah. this match actually worked for me. Totally agree. I, I feel the same way. When I saw that it was opening the show, I was really surprised. Um, I, I, you know, for so many reasons, I mean, you figured that there are probably a lot of new eyes checking out that show on night one, sort of saying, Hey, what does this look like? What are they doing? Just sort of intrigue from people who probably aren't usually watching wrestling. And so I sort of feared they might open with, they'd open with something big or maybe something that was sort of guaranteed to be good. I was thinking maybe it would be like a Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan or something along those lines. But then once I saw them, and of course, you know, the other thing to discuss here is that like they had the benefit of all of this being done beforehand. Right. So they were able to place the card uh, in a way that they're not typically able to do, which is interesting. Um, And so when I saw that the match was first, I was, I was a little confused, but then as it went on, I was like, I, I absolutely see why this, they put this here because it's, it was a great match. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I thought all four of them look great. Oscar's the best. I mean, just hilarious. Just oh, yeah. so, so funny. I, I, I think that the no fan thing really benefits her because she's able to really show how funny she is. You can hear everything she's saying. She's so vocal. Um, I thought it was a great match. So I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad they put it on first. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens now that Nikki and Alexa are the champs. I, I actually kind of support that. I like those two. And then hopefully Asuka is kind of freed up to maybe do more single stuff here. I hope that doesn't mean that Kyrie is, is left to the wolves and is just sort of, her manager or something like that. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a really solid match. No, I, I, I agree with you there. Like, I was surprised that they gave them as much time as they did. I mean, this is a 15 minute match. I thought when I, when this showed up on the card, I'm like, okay, there's a five minute. There's just something to get yeah. them, them on the card and knock it out. I thought, it, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a kickoff show match before we realized that there were additional kickoff show matches added. I said, okay, so they're going to put that on either Saturday or Sunday on the kickoff show. Um, so yeah, I was pleased that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if I had any argument like, or uh, criticism of the match, I would say like they, it might've dragged just a tad bit too long. They, yeah. they kind of played up a, multiple like hot tags with uh cross and bliss that, you know, kind of got a little bit repetitive at times. Um, also there's some like sh- the editing, for the most part, was okay on this show. Um, this was one of the more odd choices whenever Kyrie was delivering her elbow. Yeah, like the, the edit was a little abrupt there, but it it was fine. It wasn't. It didn't like draw me out of anything. It was just I, as somebody who like worked in film, like I that's just stuff you notice. There was so. yeah, I noted I, I I noticed the editing more in that match than maybe I did any other the entire weekend, but maybe that's just because it was the first one and I was still sort of getting used to the whole vibe of it. But I don't know. I, I didn't really notice it elsewhere and I noticed it a few times in that match. Yeah. Um I think the only other time that I noticed it was in the latter match. Um I know there was some stuff in the in the yeah. tag match from night two. But the the latter match had some definite like there's some crash pads happening over here and we don't want to show those right <laughs> sort yes, of edits yes, yes. going on. 
which makes total sense. I don't want guys getting hurt. Um, but but back to this match, like I I will say this, I'm I am very happy that Oscar has a chance to work in empty arenas because I love hearing Oscar like just fucking belittle and like grunt like Tomohiro Ishii in these matches. Like just I it, it's mm-hmm. like a little slice of New Japan in my WWE. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what is next for her because it sort of seems like not to jump ahead, uh, but it seems like the women's title picture is maybe sort of set for the the foreseeable future there. So I don't know where she's going to necessarily fit in. I mean, they they you know they could just run this back, I guess, and and maybe they feud for the for the tag belts for a little bit longer. But um, yeah, it was I, I thought it was a really a fun, solid, a solid opener. Yeah, and Oscar's just the best. I mean, just hilarious. Like, she needs to be on commentary. She should just yeah. be like, give her a mic and just let her talk during everybody else's match. Like, I don't care. Like, she just needs to be involved more. She's so funny. It's really, it's really remarkable. That's so good. Um, the same cannot be said for our next match. <laughs> uh, match number three of the night, I guess, if you count the pre-show. Uh, the Drifter, <laughs> Elias, Beating King Corbin in a what, according to this this Wikipedia page I'm looking at, was only a nine minute match. But (laughs) as with all King Corbin matches, this felt three times longer than what that number says to me right now. It's just Um, it's it's just not it's just not a match that needed to happen on the WrestleMania card. I mean, if you you know, I understand. Give me this weird mid-card feud between those two guys. Pay it off on a SmackDown. You know, like, I don't need that to be on a WrestleMania card. Even a weird one like this. You know, I, you know, Baron Corbin, I I, I think does an excellent job of being a heel and is actually very talented and very funny. But I, 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 I haven't enjoyed a Baron Corbin match in a long time. And then Elias, it's just, it's, there's nothing to really grab onto there you know and it, it just it just wasn't particularly entertaining it's just you know it's the sort of match that you see and you say, sort of say huh and then you just move on you know it, it just there was nothing there to really to feel anything about yeah i mean it's very telling that the extent of the build that we got like leading up to this was just basically corbin throwing elias off of the perch right the PC, and that kind of set up this whole thing like it's it was throwaway at best. Um, and it sucks because I agree with you. Like I remember when Corbin came to NXT, like him and NXT was money. Like that dude yeah. was great. And well, for some no, reason... I don't, I, yeah, I don't want to um, uh, promote my own uh, strange project that I just did, but I just watched all the WrestleManias in order and yes. wrote and wrote about them. And it was so funny to look back. Like it was what is WrestleMania th- 30, I think, where Baron Corbin wins the Andre Battle Royal. And it's, he's just so different. And his whole, I mean, his whole thing is he's so big, this big guy, but he can move with, you know, he's so agile for a big guy. And you watch him, he he was like really, you know, still had the long hair. He was still, you know, it's a completely different guy. And he was like very, uh, very entertaining to to watch. I think it is easy to forget how talented he can be, especially for a guy his size. But then putting him, you know, so you, so I watched that match, and then a couple of days later, I'm watching him against Elias, and it's just so kind of slow and plodding, and it feels like everything that it's at least ring wise that is made or used to make Baron Corbin sort of interesting and cool 
is just gone now, unfortunately. Yeah, it's like somebody got in his ear and told him, like, work like a big man because you're a big man. But, like, the main reason why people were so into you is because you had all these other tools that you can bring that make you different from all the other big men right now, or at least, like, somewhat different. So I, there's this this king character. I, I have gone on record as saying pretty much anybody who's been labeled with the King of the Ring gimmick has basically just died with it, and Corbin... Uh, I can effectively say that he this has sunk him again. Yeah, um, I just don't know. I yeah, I just don't know what the you know how you sort of move forward with somebody like that who's so sort of stuck in this kind of muddy uh, this muddy spot of just being kind of an unlikable guy. You know, he sort of had the run with Roman that was going to be you know. You know, sort of in the main event scene for a little bit, and I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do with him if you if you repackage him somehow. I'm just not quite sure. You know, I I I think he's going to be around a long time because I think WWE really likes him, and I think he's somebody that they can plug into a spot like this where they're like, oh shit, like we <laughs> we, we need more matches because we have two nights now. They're like, uh. Uh, Baron Corbin and uh, Elias, you know, she's like, he's that guy who they can plug into a spot where they know they need somebody reliable, I think. Um, and that's just not really going to inspire much in terms of uh, passion from from anybody, I guess. No, I, I don't. I right there with you. I think one of the it's a shame to think of like whenever he first showed up, like to think that he is now just basically a guy you plug in. To, to yeah. like maybe like if you need like a quick main event program, put them against Corbin for a month or two, and then move on to your longer term plan. That's maybe sort of that's like that. maybe that's what's next. Maybe, well, no, he well that's another thing. He loses to Elias, right? So it's yeah. like what what does that mean? You know, uh, they'll probably con- I mean honestly, the two of them will probably continue to feud because they need I don't know they need to fill some time somehow um, on these. Yeah. Weird- these weird shows that they're doing um but yeah i mean elias sort of getting this little weird win where he uh holds the tights and we're probably due for another at least month of those two together hooray mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i guess that leads into our next match as well um which oddly, oddly enough like that disinterested hooray unfortunately does sum up a little bit of my feelings on this next match Okay. Um, uh, Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, I was not expecting this match this early in the show. I think um, we both had discussed um, on a previous episode about how we thought that this match might be main eventing one of these nights. Yes. Um, and at least the, if it didn't main event, that it would be put in a fairly high profile spot and get the kind of time that a match like this deserves and it didn't get that long the match itself was pretty hard hitting which was nice to mm-hmm. see it was definitely a different a different style match than what we were used to seeing both lynch and baszler kind of showcased themselves well but i don't know like overall like the the finish kind of left me just like wondering like okay like well, that's how we're going to end this thing yeah, I don't know. It, it was very anticlimactic in a way. I agree. I mean, it looks like it's going to continue. So we'll probably get, you know, if I had to guess, we'll probably get Becky, Shayna, maybe in like a submission match at like Money in the Bank or something, which that's 
so is money in the bank just happening it's just going to be in the performance center like that's going to those knows? those ladder matches in the performance center i mean we we saw one that we're about to talk about but like it's just mm. weird but um yeah, I would assume that Becky Shayna is going to continue based on what we've seen, and I think might continue for a long time based on uh, the Ronda Rousey of it all. If Ronda eventually comes back, and you know, we're not well, I guess Survivor Series is a long way away, but you know, eventually, if we do get to some sort of four horsewomen, uh, you know, MMA thing, I, I think that's probably in our future. Uh, later this year. So I, I don't think we've seen the last of Becky Shayna, certainly certainly not in the short term. The match I thought was okay. I thought it was good. I, th- I, I felt the same way. I was surprised it wasn't going to main event. I think now in retrospect, uh, it was the right decision based on what did main event. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of liked its placement on the card, honestly. I mean, it was a big match kind of up early to break up everything. And I thought it was good. I mean, I... I didn't go in with very high expectations. I'm not the biggest Shayna fan, at least in the ring. I think she's a really dynamic character and I think brings a lot. I think, I think she's really scary and intimidating and, and is an interesting performer, but I, I never quite love her matches. I never really sink my teeth into them. So I was a little concerned about what the match was going to be like. I think it was probably the best version of what it could have been for the spot it was on the card. So I thought, I thought it was okay. I mean, I was kind of surprised that Becky one, I, I sort of thought that it was maybe Shayna's time, but now that it sort of looks like that this is going to continue, you know, maybe that happens down the line. I don't think it's, I don't think Shayna ultimately will be the one to dethrone her or, or take the belt from her. I think somebody that we saw maybe on night two could be mm-hmm. the person to uh, potentially do that. But yeah, it, it was fine. It, you know, is it a match that I've thought about once since it happened? No, not really. But it was, you know, it was okay. It was fine. Yeah, and I think that, that thought process of, like, you know, a match that you hadn't really thought about since it happened, that's what frustrates me the most because a lot the build going into this was that Shayna Baszler is a fucking killer. They basically sacrificed the main event of Elimination Chamber to get over her the same way they sacrificed the Royal Rumble to get over Drew McIntyre. And right. it, and, and, I, and that's the thing. Like, I, I criticized both of those matches for those reasons. I understood why they did what they did. It doesn't mean that it sat well with me. Um, and and honestly, if you're going to do that, by all means, go all the way with it and make this person the kind of killer that you want her to be. I think the fact that Baszler did not win the title here, it, it kills a lot of that energy. Oh, yeah. Like, I, sure. I, I, like, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you basically have taken away the best challenger for Becky Lynch's title for the next few months um, as well as basically kind of box yourself into continuing this this title reign with Becky that while I am a big Becky Lynch fan I think that it, it's much more interesting to watch her chase than her as champion and that's saying something considering she's held this belt for for over a year now at this point crazy yeah um yeah, like she's been great as champion, but there it just doesn't have the same punch as it was like whenever she first like started using the man moniker and was really like kind of cementing herself as this sort of like neo badass in in WWE's like new era sort of thing. And well, I think and I... that Sorry, go ahead. No, go on. Go on. 
But no, I was just saying, I think that it's, it's disappointing that you that basically have taken, uh, taken all of the bite out of her best challenger going forward in, in one night whenever you did so much to build her up. I, I, yeah, I definitely agree. I think what this match showed us, though, is that, is that Shayna is not the one. I just don't think that they have the confidence in her. I mean, there have been all these rumors about Vince not being totally on board with her. So I think, um, yeah, I think they did a pretty decent job of building her up. But I think we realize now that it's not going to be her to take the belt off of her. I think it could be uh, her friend, Rhonda, who I, I don't really know. I, I don't know. I don't know when she's coming back, uh, if she's coming back. I mean, everything points to the fact that she will be soon, I think. But um, I, I don't think it's going to be Shayna. And I think that the booking of that match kind of uh, kind of proved that. Hmm. I don't know. It's just, if, if, if Vince is already soured on her, then, then like, why... It just goes back to why do Elimination Chamber the way you did it? If that's well, the yeah. case, like, if you're or, that or, about it. Right. Yeah. And if that's the case for her, I mean, what do they do with her now? I mean, it's like you see these, like, I, it's just so difficult. I mean, like, and it's these people who get these these big programs and then just sort of fade away. I mean, there are so many people on this roster and the talent pool is so deep that if, you know, if, if word starts trickling down that those in charge don't sort of have faith in you, I, I don't know what you do or, or, or where she goes from here. I mean, it will be interesting to see, you know, I think the, the potential, you know, Ronda of it all and, and maybe doing like a, a four on four match down the line with, with the four horsewomen is interesting. So she can sustain some sort of notoriety for that long, but you know, it's like, it's so difficult for, for the women in the division uh, on raw and SmackDown to, to keep up any sort of momentum because there's only one belt and there's only one title feud going on at a given time. Right. I mean, they've sort of been able to do it on SmackDown a little bit with like, Bailey defending the belt while also having this thing with Sasha. So, you know, it can sort of happen, but like when there's just one belt, there's just kind of one title feud going on. And so if you're not in that feud, it's really difficult to, uh, to stay relevant, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see how, the, how they manage to do that with her moving forward. Yeah. It'll very curious to watch how how things play out because it looks like they're building up to another title match at Money of the Bank whenever that happens. Who knows? We'll get to that later on though because there's been some some news about some stuff oh. with the future tapings and stuff like that. Yes. Um, maybe that's part of our halftime break here <laughs> coming up. <laughs> Man. Uh, so which. Moving on, uh, match number five. Our next one was one that I actually was a sl- was going to be a sleeper hit for me. I think, and I think for a lot of people, Sami Zayn defending the Intercontinental Championship against Daniel Bryan. This was just a big group of guys that um, hardcore wrestling fans adore. That they've adored them for a long time because you have Sami out there with Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. You got Daniel Bryan out there with Drew Gulak. You've got all these guys out there like with Sammy doing his liberator shtick um, and playing the chicken shit heel perfectly throughout the first half of this match. Um, you've got Gulak out there just beating up on dudes. Um, you got Shinsuke and Cesaro beating up on dudes. And then you got Daniel Bryan in the ring, just doing what Daniel Bryan does. Like it's two guys in Zane and Bryan that if they wanted to have an all out fight, they could put on 
like a five star clinic in here and stolen the show. But the characters yeah. didn't, necess- didn't necessitate that. And I think that because of that, this match still worked so well for me to see Sammy like play off the way that he did and, and, and by hook or by crook, like come out and as champion um, and keep this feud going. Over, what were your thoughts on the match? You know, I thought it was okay. I, I I was a little confused by it, to be honest. I mean, it like, you know, it, I thought it sort of made Daniel Bryan kind of look like a fool. I mean, he gets sort of distracted by the stuff outside the ring, and then Sammy wins clean. Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was fine. I mean, I I expected more. I think the circumstances are strange, and like you said, obviously those two guys could put on a a 20 minute clinic and it would be great. And I would love if we get that. I mean, down the line, I mean, you know, an idea that I had maybe was it money in the bank. I mean, continuing this feud and, you know, because of all the outside stuff that they booked, maybe you put like, you know, Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn in, in a steel cage or something, or, or you do something where, you know, you negate the outside interference. Maybe that's where they're headed with this. But yeah, I mean, when you look, when you take a step back and say it's Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan, I think the match that I expected was a lot better than the one that we got. Um, So it was okay. I mean, it was one of my most anticipated of the weekend and it certainly didn't live up to that in my eyes, Uh, but it was fine. I mean, I, 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 I kind of expected Daniel Bryan to win, to be honest with you. I kind of thought this Sammy Tuttle reign was going to be short and sweet. So I, I am excited that he still has the belt. I mean, Sammy Zayn is the intercontinental champion. It doesn't really seem real, um, but I, I enjoy yeah. that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy he still has it. And, and hopefully they can continue doing some interesting stuff moving forward. You know, the match itself on Saturday for me was, was not great. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely understand that aspect of it. I think I just, I don't know. Like I, I knew I, I was, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to love this match from the beginning and knowing like seeing Sammy basically just run out Che Guevara style and, and his stuff and just still playing that like chicken shit heel. Like I, I could eat that up all day. Like yeah, I, oh, he's great. Sammy, yeah, I like that. Yeah. D- the finish did make Daniel Bryan look a little, you know, odd in that way. But I, I had a feeling that Brian wasn't going to be winning this match just based off the fact that he's reportedly under quarantine right now. Like he's self quarantined as soon as he got back to Washington after this match. So like I, I, he's, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I didn't expect him to be on a lot of programming going forward after this. So why put the belt on him at this point? Um, so, but yeah, no, this, it was serviceable. Like I liked it a lot more than I think some people did, but it was, it was, yeah. it was good. Um, and then that brings us to uh, probably the first real highlight, I would say of the night one, um, the ladder match between uh, one half of all of the tag teams vying <laughs> for these belts. It's okay. Let me backtrack here. A triple threat ladder match for the tag team championships where only one member of each team is in the match. Completely unexplained by the programming. (laughs) Well, I know. As to why this happened. I know. That's the thing. Like, even if they don't want to tell the truth about what's going on, like, there's just no, we don't get any explanation about why this is happening. (laughs) Like, there's just nothing. Like, come up with something come up with something stupid like uh, somebody he got attacked backstage i don't know like there's no explanation for why we're just getting a triple threat match for the tag team titles 
Yes. So I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. Like this was so easy to just knock a thing out and just be like, okay, like we showed the brawl and say like because they all all the teams brawled on the last episode of SmackDown heading into this. Just show the brawl. Say Miz got injured and they decided to like to do this match instead. Is that easy? Because the main reason why this whole thing went down is because the Miz was sick. Like and the right. Miz was sent home. So like so because of that we got John Morrison one half of the tag team champions going up against Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston um, in a a ladder match that was befitting of being on a WrestleMania stage, even if it was an empty arena WrestleMania stage. Like this match was exciting. It was um, one of those types of matches where I definitely like hit my eyes at points because I'm just like, y'all are killing yourselves. <laughs> but. But I will say the ladder, at least with ladder matches, the empty arena situation does work out better because, like we said earlier, um, there the the ability to edit around certain things and put matches together that way, you can put in crash pads. You can kind of soften some of these big falls. Like I know specifically the one the fall that Jimmy Uso took from uh, the ladder to the floor, like that was clearly edited to where he landed yeah. on the crash pad. Which if that sh- that had been live and he had taken that bump. There's no way, like, there's no protection down there. So, like, I'm glad in that aspect. Um, But, yeah, no, this just showcased everybody's talents. I think it's the perfect match for for John Morrison and Kofi Kingston. Even at their, like, advanced age now, like, they still both deliver in the acrobatic realm as well as the um, the athletic realm. I've seen John Morrison tightrope the entire length of of one side of the ring and then hit a Spanish fly on Kofi Kingston was crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like this match, the, the finish kind of annoyed me other, but other than that, like everything else was, was pretty solid here um, in this matchup. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I, yeah, I respect the three of them for doing what they did. I mean, they, they, <laughs> you know, those two are just crazy, you know, and they'll put their bodies through anything. And, and I thought it was a really successful match. I th- think the, the, the no crowd thing really amplifies the sound of the ladders in a way that's oh, really yeah. scary and like really brutal. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. I enjoyed the ending was a little hokey, you know, but like, whatever, like, I think everybody, probably assumed Miz and Morrison were retaining. And so it was kind of an interesting way for them to, to kind of uh, sneakily take them home. And I, I thought it was kind of smart and fun. And yeah, like, like we said, it will be interesting to see uh, if money in the bank indeed does happen from the PC, which I assume that it, I assume that that's what's happening. I, I don't know, but um, just uh, these ladder matches with no, with no ambient noise are just even more brutal. So <laughs> we, yeah. we might have more of this to look forward to, but yeah, I, uh, I thought it was great. I enjoyed the match a lot. Yeah, no, my, my only real, like other than the finish, um, I think my other real complaint here is that these guys are taking these as exciting as the match is. And as much as it gets like the blood pumping for seeing like a, a high impact match like this on a, a big card like WrestleMania, having these guys take these sort of risks in an empty arena show, it's it it does feel sort of counterintuitive in a lot of ways. Um, I, and yeah. I, I I completely understand like they still want to show out. Like, to them, this is still WrestleMania. You know, to a lot of people, this is still WrestleMania, even with the the circumstances and and the the way they're having to keep the show going. But you know, it was just. 
I, I would really feel bummed if one of these guys like really got seriously injured doing mm-hmm. a ladder match where there's no one there to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, for- but, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like they would be doing the same stuff with. I think we would be saying the same thing if somebody got seriously injured in a ladder match with, with at the stadium. It was an okay. I I, I like the match a lot. It was just one of those things where I I just it's it's just. I think that actually that point that I just made plays more into the next match more so than this <laughs> yeah. match. Um, and let's actually let's do that. Let's run to the next match here because we we get to keep this ball moving. Um, the next match up, uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and the grudge match to end all grudge matches apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Yes, this match was probably um my favorite match of the night. And that's even above the main event in in a way. Um, I it's a very close tie, but this match delivered more than I thought it would personally. I because as much as I, I I love both these guys, and as much as I love Kevin Owens, he hasn't really um, delivered a real like classic uh, at a wrestle on, on like a stage like WrestleMania yet. Yeah, and. But I, and I know he's capable of it. I think a lot of people know that he's capable of it, but just something just hasn't clicked. And then finally, this match clicked. Um, just hard hitting affair. You people playing their characters to a T. Um, we got to see like, Kevin Owens is still the best at just trash talking in the ring or just talking in general during matches. Like I'm so glad that he never shuts up. He's just perfect. Um, and then, we also had Seth, we also had Seth Rollins calling him a fat piece of crap, which was yes, his... <laughs> <laughs> our Monday Night Messiah. Yeah, um, uh, I yeah, I loved this. I thought it was great. I mean, I, these two are are just so phenomenal in the ring, and this is something that I noted again, sort of going back and watching old manias like i think seth rollins has has become a little exhausting and a little played out and you know when you're sort of in the main event picture or sort of close to the main event picture for so long i think that's just sort of inevitable and i think that that you know again sort of what we were talking about with becky earlier i think it's so much easier to book a challenger than it is a champion. Um, you know, because when you have the belt, when you are, when you are the guy or the girl on a show, uh, that's not as exciting. And I think Seth has been in that spot for a little while. And it's easy to forget how talented he is in the ring sometimes. And I, I thought that this, I thought this was great. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds for both of them. I was thrilled that, that Kevin got the win. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan. So this to me showed that they have some confidence and some faith in him. Um, but, w- you know, with that being said, I mean, I would watch these, I would watch this feud continue. I mean, I think maybe it will. I, I don't know. It, it's weird to sort of know where the booking is going to go based on these weird times and circumstances we're living in. But I thought it was a great match. I mean, Kevin's jump from the WrestleMania sign was so fun. And it was just, yeah. I mean, it was fun. Like it was, it was maybe, it was maybe the, uh, the the match of the weekend where I thought the least about the fact that there weren't people there. Like I was just kind of in it. And the, and maybe you, you know, you think about it when they're sort of trash talking each other, but like, I was just kind of, I was into the ebb and flow of the match. I mean, it, it really did feel like a WrestleMania kind of moment. Um, the two of them are just so good, you know? 
know, I, I thought it was a really exceptional match. Uh, and yeah, maybe, probably, well, certainly one of my favorites of the weekend, for sure. It's definitely probably, you know, top two or three. I mean, you know, the Boneyard and the, and the Funhouse, which we'll get to here in just a bit, are almost... It, like, do we even call those matches? I don't really even know how to characterize those. <laughs> but um, in terms of the matches that happened inside the ring, uh, it was certainly one of my favorites in the top two. There's a match on Sunday that I liked a lot, too. But, um, yeah, it's just great. Those two are great. Yeah, no, like, I think... Kevin Owens coming off of that WrestleMania sign, just what a crazy, ridiculous bump that was. And just, I mean, just, a, I can only, I, I want to know what the original plan was for that spot if they had well, actually had the show at the stadium. He said, he tweeted, Kevin tweeted that he was going to jump off the pirate ship in the end zone. Jesus Christ. There, that they have in Tampa. Holy yeah, he, shit. Yeah, he t- <laughs> He tweeted something about like I think I think he said in January he went to a show there like maybe a concert I don't know but he said he went to a show there and he said no matter what I'm doing at WrestleMania this year I'm going to jump off the pirate ship so I think that would have been the thing and so it'll yeah that'll be interesting also another thing like I I, I read a rumor that now. Tampa's maybe sort of the favorite to host again in like two years. So it would be it'd be interesting to see if <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he's thinking about what he can do uh uh in a couple of years if that happens. But yeah, I he tweeted that he was gonna jump off the pirate ship, which would have been just amazing. But we yeah. got what we No, yeah, we definitely got what we got. And it was it was and it was a, a classic like high risk moment like that. Like that that's a bump that will live on in highlight reels going forward for a yep. long time for sure um yeah and honestly to that tampa point that you made i would not be surprised at all if tampa gets a wrestlemania again in the next two to three years based off of how the the relationship between them and wwe was handled with the cancellation stuff and like how you know wwe took that on the chin themselves in a way yeah like, that would not surprise me at all like they've still been very much like we want to continue to be part of the wwe family and like cool like yeah, so I think we'll get under lockdown. I know. I mean, who even knows? It's like, you know, it's supposed to be here in LA. I'm in LA for those of you listening. It's supposed to be here next year. And then uh, my guess would be maybe Tampa the year after that. And then I think Vegas is like on the horizon eventually. But yeah, I mean, it, it would be a nice way to to kind of pay back everybody who had made plans to go, especially wrestling fans down in Florida, you know, who, who were very excited. It'd be nice to go back in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, maybe my feelings with the city will subside a little bit, but like at the end of the day, like Tampa is still like that stadium still a good venue for it. And even if just to see Kevin Owens jump off of a pirate ship and hopefully not die, um, that would be fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I mean, honestly, I'm down for that. That's 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 enough of a reason for me to want it to be there. Yeah, that's another one of those conflicting things. Is like I I I would so be down to see that, but also like I just really don't want Kevin Owens to get super hurt. So <laughs> yeah, he'll be he'll be fine. God, I'm waiting to hear reports. Is like he was his knee. He seemed to be limping pretty bad after that, and that might either that's a really good sell job or like he messed up something i'm i'm hoping it was just a really good sell job on that yes match. he's he's professional brian he'll be fine oh trust me 
when he's laying there just telling Seth Rollins, oh, you'll still always be just a little bitch as Seth Rollins <laughs> kicks the shit out of him. That's I mean, the sign of a true professional. I he's so good. He's he's just the best. I I you know, I, I would love for, for Kevin to be back in the main event picture at least sometime soon. It won't I assume that won't happen uh with Drew uh holding the belt, but hopefully sometime down the line we can get Kevin back in the main event picture because he's just exceptional. One of the best they have. Yeah, definitely. Crossing fingers on that. Um but speaking of the main event picture. Let's talk about our first of two, um, I guess, it's technically the Universal Championship, but I always qualify these as World Championship matches. Yeah. Uh, we had the champion, Bill Goldberg. <sighs> Again, gray, grizzled Bill Goldberg. <laughs> and I hope, I, I am not saying that as an insult. If Goldberg is listening, please do not come to my house and beat the shit out of me um, while I'm in quarantine. Going up against Braun Strowman, and <clears throat> what, what it has to be the even okay. Look, as odd as the ladder match is, uh, the, the explanation for the ladder match was with no explanation. This was even odder in yeah. the fact that they replaced Roman Reigns, who was originally scheduled for this match, uh, with Braun Strowman. Uh, basically, like you had like Triple H on ESPN talking about how they had this this great idea for for how they were going to explain why Roman wasn't in the match and why Braun was and you know and that sort of thing. And then so we got that build up and then it comes to Friday night and it's just oh well, Braun's in the match now move on. Like like right. that. Just a snap. And and so for some reason like he's just in it now. And then he goes in and he wins in like just over 2 minutes and captures his first world title and so what Sorry, it's just so stupid. I I, oh, yeah. I hate this whole. I hate the whole thing. No, I I agree with you completely. Like the match, like it, the match itself was exactly what it needed to be. It just like hits like four spears and then Strowman like kicks out, hits Goldberg with four power slams. Goldberg doesn't get up. That's that's all the match needed to be. I don't care about that. The match is throw away for me. Whatever he has the belt now. The, the real story with this is why, like, how they decided to do this, the execution of it. And then, honestly, even though Braun now has a title and is like a main player by way of circumstance uh, because of this match, um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel any bigger than he was before. He still feels like a guy they don't have pegged for that spot going forward. The only reason he was in this match is because he didn't have a match. Yeah. Like, he, he was so insignificant that he wasn't in one of the 15 other matches on the WrestleMania card. Like, he was just such a non-factor going into all of this. So the fact that he goes from one day not having a match on the card to being the champion is crazy and feels very un justified and unearned and it, it will be interesting to see what they do i mean i like you know if he sort of has a long title run here i don't know and i, I also don't know what roman's future holds in terms of him competing i assume that we're heading into like a Braun bray feud for the belt i don't know i mean maybe they just they slap the belt back on on the fiend here shortly i'm not quite sure but yeah, it's just the whole thing felt 
um, just strange. And, and coming in the, in the wake of, of Braun being just sort of an asshole on Twitter, you know, criticizing indie wrestlers for trying to raise money or, you know, sort of venting about how difficult these times have been for independent wrestlers for all of a sudden for this guy who's had so many near opportunities and it was never the right time for them to slap the belt on him in the immediate aftermath of that felt really gross, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not saying that's why it happened. I, I, I don't think it was, but just the circumstance surrounding the whole thing was really unfortunate. And uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I'm sort of intrigued, I guess, to see what happens on SmackDown this week and, and see, uh, and see who's challenging him or, or, or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't feel warranted and I can't say that I'm, I'm excited at all about a Braun Strowman title run. No, I'm right there with you. Like if it really, the moment he held that belt up, it felt like immediately too little too late. Cause like Braun Strowman, yeah. if you had done the, if you put that belt on him like a year ago, whenever he was at his height of popularity going up against Brock Lesnar, like that, that was the moment. That was the moment where you could solidify him as a top spot guy, as a guy that is worthy of holding a belt like of that stature and of being a, a champion on a brand. And the fact that they didn't pull the trigger then, and then they basically only pulled the trigger now because they needed the belt off of Goldberg because they didn't want to keep paying him. And he didn't have the dates on his, on his uh, deal more than likely. Yeah. Like this is this the only reason why he has the belt is logistics, yeah. and that's a really shitty reason to make somebody champion. Um, it, it really yeah. undercuts any effectiveness that he's going to have in that role. Yeah, I I don't know what they're going to do. I and I do wonder. I assume that if Roman had been able to compete, like I assume, let's say that this was happening uh, under norm, normal circumstances, I assume that Roman would have sort of won the belt in similar fashion, and and we'd have a Roman Reigns title run ahead of us it will be interesting to see how the booking is affected by all of that or if it will be at all i guess we'll never quite know but um yeah it's just like i don't know braun does nothing for me in the ring these days may i don't know maybe he never really has uh and it's uh yeah i don't know i don't care i don't like <laughs> I just don't. I, I I couldn't be less interested in in watching a Braun Strowman match these days. I just really couldn't. And like, e even if we're if we're getting Braun Bray, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I can't say I'm particularly excited about that either. What if Braun gets taken to the Firefly Funhouse next? See, listen, that would be fine, but he's not he's not up to that caliber to get taken to the fun house. You got to be like, what are they going to do with him? They're going to make fun of the fact that he like never won the belt, but like now he has it. Like he's just not up to that caliber. Yet. You got to be like, you have to be a John Cena type to get taken to the fun house. But That's like, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I'm intrigued as I'm always intrigued to see, you know, after a title switch like this to see what the, uh, what the angle is going to be. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm not optimistic about, uh, what's happening at the top of the SmackDown card right now, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, we just have to wait and see how things play out. They at least have one episode in the can and see what happens, uh, going forward there. But if, uh, if Braun Strowman and Goldberg was our vegetables, then, uh, the Boneyard match was our fucking dessert. Holy oh, shit. Baby. 
God, the Undertaker and AJ Styles in a Boneyard match. Um, one of two matches that was not held in the Performance Center. Um, very cinematic, uh, I, I would say. I think that's the best way to describe it. Uh, basically, the entire fight happening in basically a, a an old like it looked like an old southern backyard with a rundown tin shed and for some reason grave uh, like gravestones. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, the, these things match. I've seen. I've actually seen like areas in Georgia that look like this. Anyway. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like AJ so, Styles' family's plantation or something. Oh, that that actually kind of works. <laughs> so, but uh, this was obviously the, the main event of night one. Um, probably the one match that has gotten the most buzz from anything on the WrestleMania card was this fight. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, and. Everything from the the opening with AJ arriving in the hearse in a coffin, um, and popping out just just giggling about how dumb this Undertaker stuff is, um, to like the return of Biker Taker, like so many people have been clamoring for, um, and to like the the Druid showing up and the the fire and the pyro and. Just everything about this match, just everything hit for the most part. There were some things, though, that I think um, – well, I'll get to that. Give me your thoughts on the match first, and then we'll get to some stuff that kind of irked me about it. Okay, yeah. I They don't pull stuff like this off ever. So yeah. I was really surprised that they did. The production value behind it was – was so top-notch and really, really good. And I don't really know how they did it or who did it or what went into it, but I I thought it was so successful. And it, 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 they managed to pull something off that was simultaneously surprising and cool and creative and funny and campy. And it just, for me, it hit all the right notes. And it was, it really, was surprising like i i thought it was going to be really hokey and quite bad but they pull i mean it was a mini movie i mean it was like a mini horror movie that they managed to pull off under these very bizarre circumstances um without much time you know it really felt like something that took a lot of time and it, it i i don't know i was really impressed by it was it silly and like you know a little ridiculous yeah but i think it knew that right and i think that's why it was ultimately successful because a lot of the stuff that wwe will try and do that is that is like this is so self-serious and this wasn't that like this there it sort of felt like everybody involved was kind of winking at the screen the entire time like it felt as if everybody was in on it and everybody just wanted to make something completely ridiculous, but also cool. And I think, I think it was successful. Um, I really liked it. I mean, it, like how to interpret it as a wrestling match. I have no idea. Uh, is AJ Styles dead? I don't know. Um, is the undertaker done as a performer? I don't know. I would assume not because you know, that is, you know, because they had something that was successful, they're going to try and do it again as quickly as possible. So oh, we're yeah. going to get another one. We're going to get another one of these at some point, I am sure. But with that being said, I thought it was really ultimately very successful and a really smart use of this weird time that we're in. And credit to everybody involved and credit to Undertaker and AJ. I mean, I, you know, 
they're two great wrestlers and two great performers. I don't know that I love either of them as people, but I yeah. think that they, I think that they, um, I think that they were great. I think that they were really, really great. Great. I mean, like they, they were very good actors. I'm like, oh, like AJ Styles and the Undertaker are like, I mean, the Undertaker makes sense. I mean, his whole character, his whole thing, his whole career has been, you know, pulling off these personas. But it was it, it was it was surprising. It was good. It was cool. And uh, I I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So like I think the the main like creative forces with this match were uh, it was like a, a a combination of Jeremy Borash, who of course you know worked on the final deletion with the Hardys, which this match yeah. has been drawn a lot of comparisons to to the final deletion, um, in presentation and like that self awareness in a way. Um, I don't think it went as far with the self-awareness as Stefano Deletion did, but it was definitely present there. I mean, the fact that you have like AJ just begging the Undertaker not to bury him. Come on. Come <laughs> right. On. You know, um, it was uh, Jeremy Borash, uh, Triple H, and Michael Hayes that were mm-hmm. the main minds behind this. Um, and, and it shows like they, they knocked it out of the park with, with the presentation of this. Um, I agree with pretty much every point that you said. Like, this was an outstanding. Uh, showcase on a very short turnaround uh, and it was you know it was pulpy it was popcorn it was basically it was a popcorn movie and it felt good it was it was entertaining and fun my only real issue was that it did provide one of two examples of wwe kind of having bad optics amid the circumstances that are holding this event um i think that it was very questionable to have someone actually be buried alive at a time where so many people are actually like dying <laughs> because of a global pandemic. Okay, I think that, okay. was, that, 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 that kind of got me a little bit. I'm like, really, you, you don't have to go this far with this bullshit. Like it's, <laughs> have the, have the Druid take AJ to hell or something. Do that. Don't actually make me watch somebody being buried alive in a grave with their name on it you know <laughs> like that that just was, was like eh, a little bit too far for me right now just based off of the current situation just felt a little insensitive in a way um but that was really my only gripe with the match itself like everything else about this thing was was spot on perfect i really enjoyed it and um i you are right they're going to try and duplicate this again i would not be surprised if we see another one um, at the next WrestleMania, or even sooner. Oh, I bet it's coming sooner. SummerSlam, maybe SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they do some like very special edition of 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 Raw or SmackDown or something. I mean, depending on how long this thing goes, you know, in, in terms of the quarantine and in terms of them having to do these shows in in very uh, you know strange circumstances in the PC, I would not be surprised. I, I swear to God, if we get another one in like a month where they're like, we are running out of things to do. <laughs> People God. really like this. Let's make a whole night of this and see if we can, if we can, you know, drive up the ratings and they'll, you know, no pun intended, just completely drive it into the ground probably. But, um, you know, I guess at the same time, you can't really blame them. I mean, it was, there was so much mainstream attention paid to it. It felt like um, that and the Firefly Funhouse match. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I bet we get one. I hope we don't get one before next WrestleMania, but I think we probably will. Yeah, it's just, we know WWE. This is what they do. They find something and then they milk it until it doesn't work anymore. 
Yeah. And it's usually pretty quickly that it doesn't work anymore. Um, so, yeah, so that's night one. <laughs> Ooh, man, I know. Jesus. Oh, God. Night one was honestly like it was a. I, I left that show like feeling pretty good. Like I was pleasantly surprised with how well that went for, for the, what they were having, to, the circumstances they were having to hold the show under. Totally. Um, yeah. Can't say the same for night two personally, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So that was night one of WrestleMania 36 in the books capped off by, uh, one of the more oddly interesting matches that we've seen with the Boneyard match and Kevin Owens um, nearly destroying his own body. Exactly what we want in pro wrestling, apparently. <laughs> um, but, of course, this is only the first part of our WrestleMania 36 review here on the show. So definitely remember to look in the feed for part two, where we review night two. And that should be that's launching right alongside this one, so they'll they'll be right there together. You can't miss it, unless you actively try to. Shame on you. But of course, we can't. Uh, even though we have two parts in the show, I'm still going to throw out all the awesome thank yous for the people that helped this show be what it is. Uh, most notably, Daniel Quasar, who designed the Progress Pride flag design that we use in our logo. The Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative, and you can find out more at quasar.digital. And then, of course, Sarah in the safe word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on Spotify and on Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.com. Of course, follow Daniel Trainer on Twitter at DanTrainer1. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And I think that's enough plugs for one part because you're just going to hear them again. But definitely come back because we have more discussion for night two, including a riveting uh, <laughs> chat about the Firefly Funhouse match. Um, yeah. I think that's all I really need to say. We'll see you over in part two. Bye. Bye.